1: Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back. It's Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on BuffaloRumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine podcast products. My name is John Boccasino, uh the host of this podcast, along with my esteemed colleague, Jamie D'Amico. We are here each and every week previewing the Buffalo Bills matchups and Buffalo coming off of a nail biting victory over their rivals, the Patriots, 24 to 21 in week eight. Are continuing a murderer's row stretch of opponents. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks and the high flying MVP candidate Russell Wilson Jr. The third come to Orchard Park for a big showdown on Sunday afternoon. Jamie, before we dive into the Seahawks matchup and the tall task that Buffalo is going to have on Sunday, let's take a minute as ugly as it was. And as uh, I, I don't know, I, a lot of people felt unsatisfied they felt the the win versus the patriots you know left an empty feeling in their stomachs because it wasn't a resounding victory i hear that but i just want to say heck yeah the monkey's off the back buffalo gets that win at home over the patriots i'm at least celebrating that you know me a half half glass half full guy versus being pessimistic by nature i'm excited that buffalo snapped the streak and beat the hoodie
2: i'm the most pessimistic optimist i know
1: Does that even make sense? (laughs) My my brain is still processing that the most pessimistic optimist I know. So that means that you're if I'm going to play psychoanalyst here for a little bit, you're talking about you always you always go into things with an optimistic attitude, but you expect the bottom to fall out.
2: That's kind of it. Yeah, prepare for the worst, but hope for the best, I guess. And count me among the people who didn't feel great about that victory against a very undermanned Patriots team. And it looked like the Bills were trying to find a way to lose that game. Really, all the warts that the Buffalo Bills have were on display. Now, they ran the ball well, and that was fantastic. But that was mostly because the Patriots had six and seven defensive backs on the field the majority of the game you should be able to run against that and yeah it was great having John Feliciano back in the lineup you saw the offensive line look tougher than normal but again it doesn't bode well for games going forward against good teams the Patriots are a two-win bunch and the Bills struggled to put them away and if it wasn't for uh for Cam Newton putting the ball on the carpet, that looked like it was going to end in a Buffalo Bills loss. So let's give credit where it's due. Justin Zimmer, you made a play when a play needed to be made, but where's everybody else on the defense? Why aren't they stepping it up, making plays? Why is the offense stalling out when they really should be putting the ball in the end zone? And the, the dissatisfaction that I feel isn't with the dissatisfaction that they beat the Patriots. Yeah, good to get the monkey off the back, but the issues is that it doesn't bode well for future games, like games against the Seattle Seahawks that is coming up this weekend, this Sunday, oh my God, what are the Bills going to do to slow down that high-flying offense? Whew. Whew. We're going to talk about that.
1: There's uh, the scoreboard operator is going to be quite busy with it being an almost you know seventy plus degree day at Bill Stadium on Sunday. Perfect conditions for scoring. Unlike the game versus the Patriots, I will say, Jamie, as unsatisfying as it was to squeak out a victory, how many Bills fans were sitting there watching Cam Newton run wild that fourth quarter drive and expecting? bills to lose that game because that's just what belichick coach teams have done against buffalo Bills squads for the last 18 19 20 years it was great that justin zimmer was in the right place at the right time to punch the ball loose it was great that johnny on the spot dean marlowe was there to pounce on that fumble and secure the win jamie i got something for you that last that last drive that the patriots had the last drive where they're going downfield, they look like they're going to score the game uh, winning touchdown. Worst case, they're going to score uh, a field goal to force overtime. The Bills had such an unheralded collection of guys on the field. Combined, the first time that they had played together on the field were the last three snaps that they took on, on defense against New England, which goes to show that you know we're, 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 we're wringing our hands over Harrison Phillips and Trent Murphy. And a lot of the guys on the defensive line who are underachieving, it says a lot about both the state of the defense and these unsung heroes like Justin Zimmer and and Dean Marlowe that Sean McDermott in the most pivotal moments of the game trusted this motley crew of characters to go out there. And yes, it was a depleted Patriots squad, but I don't know. They came up with the big play and forced the win. So I think that there's something to be said for for making the plays when the game's on the line and for these unheralded guys really stepping up at a key moment.
2: That's one way of looking at it. Or the other way of looking at it is Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier are sitting there saying, we can't come up with a formula that's working. Let's go into the lab and become mad scientists and try to come up with something, anything that's going to work. And you know what? Those last three plays of the game, It actually did. The Patriots didn't move the ball until that final Cam Newton run in which the ball was popped out by Justin Zimmer. Maybe they found something. But see, that is also something that I do like about this coaching staff is that they're willing to experiment with lineups. They don't get overly stuck on certain players. Now, there is a bit of a hand wringing over the fact that Cody Ford has been given an awful lot of chances and Quentin Spain is not on the team anymore as a result of being unhappy with the number of chances Cody Ford has been given. So in some ways it's like, yeah, well, they seem a little stubborn, but in other ways, if something's decidedly not working, they're going to say, all right, how are we going to fix this? And you saw that a bit against the Patriots where they were selling out to stop the run. Fantastic. They played more man-to-man coverage, which is something that they don't do as much. They want to adjust and make the team better. And they know they need to make the team better because the defense has been Swiss cheese most of the season.
1: If for some reason, Jamie, that mad scientist approach that McDermott and Fraser are taking uh, clicked and worked because of that final series and the final moves to get, you know, Justin Zimmer and Dean Marlowe and AJ Klein played a role, even though he's still awful. He was out there towards the the last couple of plays, Taron Johnson, who's been much maligned. He was out there down the stretch. If that concoction on defense did work and that's what they're going to go with moving forward, they're going to get a crazy good test for how well that patchwork defense is going to work on Sunday when Russell Wilson and the Seahawks come to Buffalo. This is a game, and, and, and by the way, I'm a little miffed at the uh, the broadcast uh, schedulers out there. This is a matchup of two first-place teams, two division-leading teams. The two teams have combined for three losses and 12 wins on the year, and we're getting Fox's sixth broadcasting team Come on, show some respect for Buffalo. Show some respect for Seattle. I thought this game was going to be a much more marquee of a matchup when it came to the broadcasters, not getting Chris freaking Myers out there doing the game.
2: Right? Yeah. I don't know. Is that based on media market? Uh, yeah. The, the number 16.
1: Well, Russell Wilson is must watch TV week in and week out. And, you know, Jamie. Okay. So let's, 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 you know, my, my diatribe on the broadcast teams aside, this game is, is going to again really be I think it comes down to whoever, you know, can stop the other team, you know, once or twice is going to really win because both of these offenses are prolific. The Bills have slumped off since their first four games and they were scoring 31 points a game. They're down to 18 points a game over their last four games. The Seahawks are just red hot. They lead the league in offense. They also lead the league in passing defense allowed against them. They're giving up 360 yards through the air which is worst in the league by almost 45 yards per game so i think we should be salivating at russell wilson and josh allen marching their teams up and down the field both teams have great receivers dk metcalf is a freak of nature Tyler Lockett is a possession receiver's dream, uh, completely making matchup nightmares for the opposition. And Buffalo with Diggs, with Beasley, with John Brown, uh, you know, the Bills have their playmakers at receivers too. I don't know. I think the first team to 35, 36, 37 points is going to win this game on Sunday.
2: I'm going to have to agree with you. And I'm just hoping the Bills can hold the Seahawks to under 40. If they hold them to under 30, I think the Bills have a chance of winning this one. Now, uh, when you sort of look at the players that they have on the Seattle offense, it all starts with Russell Wilson. Let, like you said, MVP candidate, he's been probably the best quarterback in the NFL through the first half of the season. But, you know, don't sleep on the other skill players. Chris Carson is an underrated running back. Um, you mentioned the receivers. They have Greg Olson, the veteran tight end who played in Carolina, who the Buffalo Bills tried to court, not court, court in the offseason to come come play there. Um, Mike Iupati is not going to be playing in this game. He's uh, the left guard. So it looks to me like the Seattle offensive line is somewhat vulnerable. And I wonder if the Bills are going to be able to get some rush on the Seahawks quarterback and get to him. Now that's an issue. If you do get to Russell Wilson, because he does so much of his damage outside of the pocket, but I like the matchups of Mario Addison at Oliver, Jerry, the race car driver Hughes. I think that they can get to Russell Wilson, but they're going to have to contain him within the pocket. So I think you're going to see a number of those diamond rushes where you've got five people going after the quarterback and their entire goal is to just form a pocket around him and collapse that pocket because you don't want Russell Wilson running. He will make you pay once he gets into the open field.
1: Oh, he will. He's one of the most dangerous quarterbacks with his legs. But what makes Russell Wilson stand apart is he's not a run first quarterback at this stage in his career. He clearly. He knows what it's like to take hits. He doesn't want to put his body on the line any more than he needs to. So he only will run if it's necessary. And if his passing routes downfield are are covered, I got to tell you, Jamie, we're going to get into the matchup. I want to hit on what you talked about for the Seattle offensive line. But I want to drop a fun fact on you about Russell Wilson.
2: Ooh, fun fact.
1: Fun fact of the week for week nine. Russell Wilson is having an MVP caliber season so far through the first eight games. Uh, He's got over 2,100 passing yards. He's got 26 passing touchdowns, only six interceptions. Three of those came against a kind of fluke of nature performance against the Arizona Cardinals. The only time that Seattle has lost this year. Did you know, Jamie, in Russell Wilson's start to his NFL career, he has received as many NFL MVP votes as you and I have. Get out of here. He has never gotten a vote for NFL MVP. That when I when I was doing my research for the podcast, that stat blew me away because okay, now for the most part Seattle has had this mind-numbing approach to offense up until this year. Pete Carroll would basically say like, "You know, Russell, whatever, the first 3 quarters We're going to play, see where we are. Then in the fourth quarter, can you please take over the game? They never gave Russ the ability to cook, which all the kids are saying the phrase, let Russell Wilson cook. He's been cooking like crazy this year. They never gave Russ the keys to the car and let him drive the car. This year, you're seeing when he's given full compliments of the weapons for the entire game. Holy cow. He is just a man possessed Back there under center, and he's leading this prolific offense out there, which of course has Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. But besides the fact that Russell Wilson is out of this world, he does hold on to the ball for a while. He holds onto the ball longer than most quarterbacks in the league. So if Buffalo can get, like you said, that diamond pressure, they can get pressure on Russell. I think they can make a difference. They need to get after him. Otherwise, you give him time to pick apart that team between DK Metcalf and his freakish 4-3 speed, and Tyler Lockett, there's so many weapons that Seattle has for Russ to choose from. Now, the offensive line for Seattle, they're really good, but they're going to be missing some key cogs on Sunday. Mike Ayapati is not going to play. He's got a back injury. He's the leading guy um, on this offensive line that's not going to be out there. The other members of the offensive line, Russ has dubbed them the fun five. You could also call them the fat five because they're huge. <laughs> Dwayne Brown is 315. Left guard Jordan Simmons is 339. Center Eric Pochick is 320. Right guard Damian Lewis is 330. And Brandon Shell, the right tackle, is 325. Those are some big boys for Buffalo's front four to have to break through and get some pressure. But I think Buffalo can get after Russell Wilson. I think they can apply pressure to him. But my God, Jamie, we this is like a broken record. Is this the week that the Bills get that pass rush going? Because again, if they don't, it's going to be a long day in Buffalo.
2: Right? You can't let Russell Wilson stand there and, and hope that your defensive backs are going to be able to contain these receivers. These guys are too good. And DK Metcalf runs the nine route, the fly pattern better than anybody in the league right now. He he looks like Mike Wallace did when Mike Wallace was playing in Pittsburgh, when Ben Roethlisberger was hitting him for a 50-yard pass seemingly every game, and it was all over the highlight reels. Um, another fun fact, Seattle's backup quarterback is Geno Smith. What? Yes, that Geno what? Smith. The one drafted in the second round by the New York Jets, in 2013, the same year, E.J. Manuel was drafted in the first round by the Buffalo Bills. Geno Smith has not played himself out of the league yet. He's still a backup quarterback in the
1: NFL, specifically in Seattle. What a great job if you're Geno Smith for 30 seconds to get to be the backup to the most durable quarterback in the league. I mean, when's the last time he threw a pass? He, I'm sure he hasn't thrown a pass at all for Seattle this year because Russ is so incredibly durable. That's a great fact, Jamie, to drop out there. The backup quarterback for the Seahawks is Geno Smith. I highly doubt we're going to see any uh, anything from Geno on Sunday, but with Russ, the way he's cooking, DK Metcalf, man, you mentioned this. It's going to be, a, I'm really looking forward to seeing Trey White versus DK Metcalf. I think that's going to be an awesome matchup. I think there's a lot of potential for some just great one-on-one matchups You know, down the field, DK is 6'4", 230. We've seen that Trey White can play with the bigger, more physical wide receivers. I don't know. DK Metcalf is a freak of nature out there. But what worries me is not Metcalf v. White, which, again, it could that matchup could blow up in Buffalo's face. But I have faith in Trey White to hold his own and do well against DK. Tyler Lockett against Levi Wallace or Tyler Lockett against Taryn Johnson or Tyler Lockett against whoever else. Josh Norman's out for the game on on Sunday. He will not be playing at cornerback. So you're going to have Levi Wallace or Taryn Johnson or Dane Jackson, uh, one of these guys going up squarely against Tyler Lockett. And to me, Jamie, that's a mismatch 10 times out of 10.
2: It absolutely is. And I think in order to combat that the Buffalo Bills are going to have to play a lot of zone and they're going to have to really rely on Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde to to play over the top and make sure that they're not beat deep because you know they talk about DK Metcalf being the guy who goes deep for them but Tyler Lockett does too and they seem to trade back and forth between who's having the big games going downfield. Uh, Tyler Lockett is a very versatile receiver and you're going to see him moved all over the formations and don't, don't make any mistake about it. Pete Carroll is going to design this offense to set up mismatches when you've got DK Metcalf at the height that he is six, four, they're going to bring him into the slot and get him matched up on the smaller bills, cornerbacks, um, the stature of Taren Johnson and Dane Jackson is not large. Metcalf is going to be able to go over the top of them. Even Levi Wallace is not very large. He has a slim frame also. They're going to need help. They're going to need to get taken off of their, off of their patterns, probably try to be a little bit physical with them at the line of scrimmage, even though that isn't what the Bills like doing. I wouldn't mind seeing it, but there's going to be a lot of zone because- I just don't think that the Bills' DBs, the cornerbacks specifically, are going to be able to run with these guys. Um, the cornerback two is going; it's it's going to be a big mismatch. So we'll we'll see what happens. But this is a game where the Bills are going to have to rely very strongly on their safety play.
1: Yeah, no, you're right, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, and it's good to hear that Micah Hyde has been a full participant after battling through the concussion. It's assumed he's going to be fully good to go on Sunday. The bills will need every single one of their defensive playmakers. Um, The the problem, Jamie, I have though, I agree with you that the bills need to rely on the zone because you do not want Levi or Taryn or Dane Jackson going up in man, coverage against Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf. The problem is Russell Wilson picks apart zones, Like it's his job. He's got a 72% completion percentage. So you're almost damned if you do damned if you don't when it comes to how to contain him. That's the thing. There is no one has proven how to contain Russell Wilson outside of getting those interceptions like the Cardinals got on Monday night football. And with Matt Milano missing this game. Now, I know Matt Milano has not been 100% for several weeks now. I know Bill's fans were quite upset with his performance against the Patriots. But him not being out there is just another example of how the Bills are in trouble on Sunday because you're going to have, with Milano gone, not only do you have Lockett and Metcalf able to run wild on this defense, you're going to have Greg Olson and Will Disley, who's a very underrated tight end, having tons of seams to run through and exploit over the middle of the field, which again comes down to why the big key for me is the Bills need Pressure they need to push around the Seahawks' offensive line, make Russ feel uncomfortable. And I don't know, to me, one of the vulnerabilities I've seen with Russell Wilson is when a defense gets a pressure right up the middle right up the one gap if they can push around the center russell wilson has a little bit of trouble dealing with that pressure so maybe this is the week again where we see more of a continued renaissance from ed oliver and he's able to get after the quarterback more and the bills maybe justin zimmer continues to see more of those snaps up the middle as well buffalo needs to get pressure and needs to get pressure up the middle in my opinion russ is very good if the pressure comes around the edge Russ is good at identifying that and avoiding the pressure and finding the open receiver. So that's one of my big keys, Jamie.
2: One of the other keys, and I agree with that 100%, one of the other keys is going back to what I mentioned earlier. Through a good portion of the season, you've noticed that the Buffalo Bills pass rushers have been overrunning the pocket. That is absolutely not something you can do with Russell Wilson. On any given play early in the season, you would see three Bills defensive linemen slash pass rushers overrunning the quarterback. Russell Wilson is a shorter quarterback. If you keep him in the pocket, you can take away his passing and vision lanes, and that makes it more difficult on him. Do not overrun Russell Wilson and allow the field to open up in front of him because that's when he's going to become very
1: deadly. And, and Jay, no, you're right, Jamie. You're right. You absolutely have to follow that script there because Russell Wilson will dominate and torture you otherwise. Another thing you mentioned earlier, we talked about the offensive line being without Mike Iapati for Seattle. The Seahawks are going to be down their top two running backs officially on Sunday. News came out that both Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde will not be playing in this matchup. Seattle can is still going to try to run the ball. The Bills still need to make those adjustments to stop the run, which they did not do against Damian Harris and the Patriots last week. But Seattle is... I, I'm much happier knowing that Seattle is missing their top two running backs for thinking Buffalo has a shot to keep in this game, especially with Milano missing the game with the pec injury. The backs that Seattle has are not capable, I don't think. I mean, DJ Dallas is the backup who's averaging about two and a half yards a carry. He apparently was a pretty uh, respected recruit coming out of college. The Seahawks thought enough about him to make him a third string running back. He's not someone that scares me, but this is an opportunity where you could see Seattle, if they're able to establish the offensive line and establish a scrimmage and push around Buffalo's D line, anybody could be back there for Seattle and do well in the ground game
2: ah oh, unfortunately that's how it has looked this season hasn't it it this is this is a team that seems to be making every running back look like a pro bowler and it's really being won and lost by the lines um the line of scrimmage is being lost the the bills d-line has been getting pushed backward all year that's causing um tremaine edmonds to become a little bit tentative in his reads, and I think his injury probably has something to do with that also. But without Matt Milano on the field, he's a very instinctual player who's very good at darting through gaps in order to get to the running back. It could be a long game if that Seattle line is pushing the Bills' defense backwards uh, on the running plays, and that is going to open up The play action, which has been a thorn in the Bills' side all season because the linebackers have shown that they are willing to get out of position to defend the run. It's really this interesting snowball effect where the Bills' linebackers are hesitant because of what's happening in front of them, yet at the same time, they're overreacting to the running plays. So it's almost like, especially Edmonds, is in his head far too much instead of just playing and reacting. So what is Buffalo going to do? I think that they're going to come out in a zone and they're going to dare Seattle to run. But if that run starts working, that's going to limit the number of touches the Buffalo Bills offense has. And that is going to shorten the game and really put Seattle at a great advantage.
1: The Bills need to get off the field, is what you're saying, Jamie. The Bills cannot... 100%. You know, Jerry Hughes has to get better at not overreacting and being over-aggressive with the read options that, you know, offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer can throw Buffalo's way. It's going to be really challenging for Jerry to be disciplined and not overreact, but hopefully he can have a solid game and, uh, and anchor this defensive line getting pressure on Russell Wilson. <laughs>
3: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: On the other side of the ball, Jamie, I want to give Bill's fans some reasons for optimism here. We've talked about all the doom and gloom you know, all the doom and gloom has been covered with with Buffalo's defense matching up against Russell Wilson. This is another get right opportunity for Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills offense. Like I mentioned during the introduction, Seattle is porous. They are Swiss cheese on defense, especially in the past defense, giving up nearly 360 yards per game through the air with ideal weather conditions at the stadium on Sunday. This seems like it's the perfect recipe for Buffalo to get back on track. And as much as look, the bills cannot abandon the run. I'm not saying they abandoned the run. They did such a good job of establishing the running game last week. Zach Moss, Devin Singletary both had over 80 yards both averaged over four and a half yards per carry that was great and the Bills are going to need to run the ball for sure because the running game is almost going to be like another extension of their defense in shortening the clock extending the time of possession and keeping the Seahawks off the field but this needs to be the week Jamie where Josh Allen dials in and gets the passing game going early because the Seahawks can definitely be beat outside. I love the matchup that Stefan Diggs has. I love the matchup that Cole Beasley has and Jamal Adams coming back is a big deal for Seattle. I expect him to make a huge difference in the blitzing schemes. I expect Carlos Dunlop to make a big difference for Seattle as well, but I think the bills have a chance to really get right with their passing game on Sunday.
2: There's definitely a chance. Now the Seattle defense is, is at its strongest when all three of their linebackers are on the field. Uh, Those linebackers consist of uh, Jordan Brooks, Bobby Wagner, and K.J. Wright. They're good. They can drop into coverage really well. They play the run well. In fact, last season and so far this season, Seattle led the NFL in the number of plays where their base 4-3 defense was on the field. So that tells me that they... They feel really good about their big dudes in the middle of the field being able to drop into coverage. But what's going to happen when the Bills start pulling off their own play action passes and their run pass options and getting their receivers to an intermediate to deep level on the field? Now we know Seattle's going to attack the Bills exactly the way they've been attacked the last four games, which is which is play zone defense and drop them deep and make Josh Allen beat you underneath. But I think that there's going to be opportunities to push the ball downfield because I think the Bills receivers against the Seattle corners is a a major mismatch and it favors the Bills big time.
1: It should, it absolutely should favor the Bills. It absolutely should be an opportunity. This is another game, Jamie, where we should see Cole Beasley running wild i know that the seahawks have great linebackers you mentioned jordan brooks kj Wright, and bobby wagner are a great duo for seattle the new draft pick brooks is a really stellar addition to this linebacking core but the seahawks even though they're getting uh, jamal adams back on sunday they were not a great unit in any way shape or form against the pass before adams got hurt and he's nursing a groin injury which can be a very pesky injury to deal with i'm expecting the bills to do a 60-40 split when it comes to the passing running game. We still need to get Singletary and Moss involved here, but this is a chance for Josh Allen to make a statement win for this offense, Uh, knowing knowing that the eyeballs are going to be on him, and people love to play up the quarterback matchups of Russell Wilson versus Josh Allen. You know that's what all the promos have been leading up to this game. This, to me, is one of the most important games in Josh Allen's young career to show that he can take advantage of a susceptible matchup, uh, which is what the Seahawks present out there. Stephon Diggs, look for him to get seven or eight catches. Look for, hopefully, Gabriel Davis comes back, and that awful drop he had in the end zone uh, last week when Josh put the ball right on the money, that should have been another touchdown versus a Tyler Bass field goal. Look for the Bills to come out with a renewed sense of dominance in the passing game, the weather's going to be perfect again. Seattle's cornerbacks have allowed nearly 70% of the passes to be completed against them this year for 2,511 yards and 13 touchdowns in seven games. Again, Jamie, this it's an obvious statement, but to me, this is where Josh Allen gets back in the MVP talk.
2: If he has a huge game and Shaquille Griffin, one of their starters is going to be out this game. But again, I think that Seattle is going to take some of the pressure off of those corners by playing a lot of zone uh, by, you know, packing the back of the field, so to speak, to make Josh Allen throw the ball underneath the linebackers. But, you know like i said with the screen game with the um with the run pass options and with the play action you're going to be able to get your receivers into patterns where they're going to find ways of getting open because even though they are not going to be playing much man to man coverage against the bills the bills still have superior athletes that are going down the field as compared to those Uh, as compared to those defensive backs of the Seahawks. Now, Jamal Adams is a great player, but he's more of an in-the-box safety than he is a guy who can cover the deep portion of the field. And that's something that I see John Brown doing well this game is getting himself open in the second level of that defensive zone. I I think you're going to see a big game from John Brown, assuming that he's fully recovered from his injury. And that's been questionable, but Stefan Diggs, I mean, what can you say about the guy? He's been fantastic all year, and I think you're going to see another good game from him as well.
1: He has. He has been a fantastic teammate. You saw him taking responsibility for running the wrong route, for breaking his route off early, what led to the interception that Josh threw against the Patriots last week. I loved that accountability from Stefan Diggs, from everything we've read and seen. He's been the consummate teammate and professional in that locker room. And I think that Buffalo really has a chance to get their aerial attack dialed up because, again, Seattle does not generate much pass rush at all. One of the areas, Jamie, I'm concerned about, though, for this game, we've given you some reasons to be optimistic. And I think Buffalo, look, again, Buffalo is not going to abandon the run on Sunday. They're going to run the ball well when they need to, because, again, that can shorten this game up. They're going to do the screen passes. I, I expect Josh to really do well picking apart the Seahawks defense because every other quarterback Nick Mullins threw three fourth quarter touchdowns, albeit in garbage time last week. Exactly. Nick freaking Mullins, who is the starting quarterback by default for the San Francisco 49ers with Jimmy Garoppolo on the shelf. That goes to show that Seattle is just, again, an atrocious defense out there that can be had. I am a little worried, Jamie. I know he played very well when he was forced to readjust last week, but the bills not having center Mitch Morse. I'm worried how that's going to impact this team because Feliciano Mongo did a great job in his game back. We all expected him to plug in at the guard spot. Instead, he gets pressed into center duty after another concussion to Mitch Morse. Are you worried at all about the bills having Feliciano play out of position, especially knowing that Cody Ford is, is, is questionable for this game on Sunday.
2: I'm less worried about him playing out of position than I am about the Bills not playing full strength on the offensive line. This probably pushes Brian Winters back into the lineup as it was last week, and I just don't think that the best of the Bills is out there when... When Winters is on the field. He just, he's been below average every week. Even Ike Butker was better this past week than Brian Winters. I, I don't want to see him on the field anymore, but he's going to stay. Now, long term, I'm worried about this because with the number of concussions that Mitch Morris has had, I was under the impression that if he got one more concussion, he was probably going to have to retire. And that's not what I'm hoping for. And he's making 11 million a year. That's typically not something that a player is going to just walk away from. So is he going to end up taking up roster space and salary cap space and be a guy who doesn't make it onto the field? It kind of feels like it's going to be that. I would not be surprised if we don't see him again the rest of the season because... Apparently, concussions get worse each time you get one, and it takes longer to recover. And you'll remember two seasons ago, he missed a good chunk of that season. And when he came back, he wasn't himself. And there's research done that says some neurological processing slows down when you are recovering from a concussion. And that seemed to have been the case for him because he wasn't up to his standards. But then last season, he played well once again. And this season, he was actually back to his old ways until that happened again. I'm worried about him. You know, I I really want him to be okay for himself, first and foremost, and for his family. But I also want to see Mitch Morris back on the field because it's going to really help the Buffalo Bills. It hurts. It hurts not having your starters on the field. But then again, you know, the the Seahawks don't have all of their starters back on the field themselves. They're, they're missing their right defensive end. Uh, Benson, Mayowa. you know, they're going to be putting in a, a backup in this game too. They're also, uh, one of his backups, uh, Deontre Moore is out. Uh, Daryl Taylor is out. So they're, they're thin on, on the defensive line. So that helps this matchup, but I don't, I'm not happy about the Bills not being full strength. Let's just put it that way.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And 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 Jamie, you bring up a really good point where every week we sit on here and we pontificate about the Buffalo Bills and how well their team is gonna fare, and we speculate about the injury issues. Mitch Morris and what he's going through, I believe this is his fifth concussion that he's had. That is a legitimate life-threatening issue that he's dealing with and the cognitive abilities and you know, not even talking about his ability to think quickly and react on the football field, his ability to live a healthy life is going to be in jeopardy. If he keeps taking more of these hits to the head, I'm worried about it. I'm not worried as much on Sunday because again, the Seahawks don't generate a lot of pass rush, but it's really a twisted game that we play with football and the health of these human beings who are putting their, their bodies on the line week in and week out for our amusement. That being said, I love talking Buffalo Bills football here on the podcast with you, and it's been a really fun breakdown so far, Jamie, of this matchup in week nine. We get to our point of the podcast where it comes to our predictions and an ugly stat for Bills fans out there. They know it's coming, but I'm going to put it there anyway. In Sean McDermott's time coaching the Buffalo Bills, they are 3-15 in games against teams that went on to make the playoffs. Including those, and they had two other losses in the postseason. So, really, three and 17. And this year, they're 0 and 2, having been outclassed pretty thoroughly by the Titans and the Chiefs. Does that trend reverse itself? Are the Bills somehow able to pull the upset on Sunday and beat Russell Wilson Jr. the third?
2: No. I just don't see the Bills scoring enough points to keep up with the Seattle offense versus the Buffalo Bills defense the bills defense has struggled all year to get off the field and this is going to be one of the most potent offenses that the bills have faced all year. Kansas City, you know, they're right up there with as the best in the league and you would think that Kansas City could have scored more points if they wanted to throw the ball but they didn't they wanted to run the ball. In fact, they ran the ball more than any Andy Reid team has ever run the ball which should tell you something about the Bills defense. And the Bills offense while it was prolific early in the season, I I I see where they have regressed as teams have started to figure them out and I don't think that they are the 30-point a game team that we saw previously. They just aren't clicking quite the same way they were. So, I don't mean to sound like it's all doom and gloom. I just think that Seattle's a Super Bowl contending team, and I don't think the Bills are quite in that echelon yet, so I think you're going to see a Seattle win. Do you want me to give a score, too? Of course. I know. I guess I brought it up because I'm a little, I'm a little concerned that people are going to get mad at me for this prediction.
1: Uh-oh. So you're, I, I, I don't have a good feeling about what you're going to say, Jamie, but lay, us, lay it on us here.
2: It depends on what Seattle wants to do. Do they want to run the ball and shorten the game, or do they want to score? If they want to score, I'm seeing this be, uh, I'm seeing 42-27 Seattle. Wow. If they if they want to run the ball, I see it being 30-17.
1: So Jamie has convincing victory for Seattle. I, I too, like I said in the open, I think Seattle's going to win this game. I've been oscillating back and forth, Jamie, on the margin of this victory because I see... The Bills, in my humble opinion, if the Bills play to their level and the Seahawks play to their level, I don't think the difference is as big as people are making it out to be. I don't think it's going to be two touchdown margin. I can see this being a very close back and forth game. I'm looking forward to again seeing these teams trading scoring drives. If Buffalo can get off the field on third down, you know Seattle's going to get their points. They're going to get their yards. If they can somehow force the Seahawks to take field goals instead of touchdowns and limiting those opportunities and not giving up the big plays to Metcalf and lock it downfield, Buffalo could pull the upset on Sunday. They could. And I think Buffalo's offense, of course, anybody can beat anybody on any given Sunday. The Jets hung with the Chiefs last week for more than a half of football before realizing that they were the Jets and rolling over to uh, to the eventual Super Bowl champions. But I think Buffalo is going to lose this game. Unfortunately, I'm going to go 32-26. Buffalo comes up short. If the B- Here's my prediction though. If the Bills can somehow get into the 30s, they win this game. That's my caveat. If the Bills can get into the 30s, they're going to win this game. If they can't, That's entirely reasonable, right? I mean, you got to think you got to figure Seattle's offense is due to put up a clunker at some point, just based on the fluky ways of football. Every, every week there's games that happen when you're like, wait a minute, Minnesota beat green Bay, Tennessee fell to Cincinnati. Like it happens on a weekly basis. We shouldn't be surprised if Buffalo wins and my recipe, if Buffalo gets into the thirties, they're going to win this game if they can force a couple of turnovers that would clearly help if Josh has a clean game that will help i expect it to be an entertaining up tempo football game on sunday but buffalo falls 32 to 26 to go to 6 and 3 and set up a huge showdown with kyler murray and the arizona cardinals in week 10 boy what 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 a stretch and then the bills thankfully get their bye uh you know after the arizona game but it's it's been a really tough run here for Buffalo with their their schedule uh, being stronger than it was now uh, now than it was at the beginning of the season. We'll learn a lot about this Buffalo Bills team on Sunday, how they handle the adversity, how they handle being down some guys, how they handle the pressure of facing a Super Bowl contending team in Seattle. However the Bills do, please get involved with our podcast. Share your reactions. Do you think the Bills are going to win? Can they pull the upset? What are your thoughts to the content we've discussed here on the podcast? By getting involved with us on social media, Jamie is at The Jamie D'Amico. I am at John Boccasino, and we appreciate our fans getting involved with our podcast here on Bill Leave. For my colleague, Jamie D'Amico, I am John Boccasino signing off with an enthusiastic Go Bills! (laughs) Uh-oh. <laughs>